It is so good to be here. Um, I mean, New Zealand is showing off. Like, I am sorry. I repent. It's true. I went, we went to Canada 15 years ago. I'm uh, 38 now. And so when we were 23, we moved to, um, well, uh, 20, actually that math doesn't work out right, does it? Somewhere, 20, 27 or something, I don't know, whatever, whatever the, uh, anyway, moved to Canada 15 years ago. We went to, I grew up in Tarelgan in Victoria, Australia, small country town there, and, uh, and uh, then moved to uh, Sydney, when I was 18, uh, felt God speak to me about planting a church in North America one day. And then 10 years later, uh, or, you know, by the time I was 27, ended up planting uh, in Toronto uh, via Calgary. Anyone been to Canada? Yeah. Oh, what the heck? That's amazing. So many people. Some of our best friends uh, were from Whangarei uh, when we were in uh, Canada and did ministry with them there. And, and uh, he was like a pig hunter, which was, is super hardcore. I don't know. If there's any vegans in the room, I'm sorry. But I don't, do vegans exist in New Zealand? I don't think so. Like I was driving across the countryside and I'm like, you know, just because we came from Topor and, and come over here and and, uh, and it was amazing to see what God is doing in that church over there and to see the move of God that's happening across Canada. But as I'm traveling across, I'm seeing all these really cute little lambs. And I'm like FaceTiming the family and telling them I got three kids, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a three-year-old, telling them about the lambs. And uh, they're kind of, you know, asking me, does everyone own sheep in New Zealand? And I'm like, no, nah, you know, like it's... And then I'm... I went to explain to them what happens to these little lambs. And I'm like, I had to just stop right there. Yep, everybody has pet lambs. That's why they, that's why they breed them here. That's the reason. And because uh, that's where all our lamb comes from in Canada. And that's hardly any of us eat it over in New Zealand because it's so expensive. But, um, but I'm, it's, uh, why am I even talking about that? New Zealand is beautiful. It is amazing. And to see what God is doing here. So we, so we moved over. 2012, 2013 started C3 Toronto with six people. And then um, we've seen a really awesome move of God in downtown Toronto. Um, Pre-pandemic, we were three locations. And then uh, after the pandemic, we reduced down. Our church had 96 Sundays consecutively where we didn't meet. Uh, so it was online for that. And, and the uh, the environment there is very quite liberal in Toronto. So uh, in terms of what that season meant for the city and for the church was full on. And, uh, but we are in downtown and we were renting from uh, high schools there and that's why we couldn't meet. But So the church basically quartered in size. It was basically quartered. We reduced down to one location. Now we've since opened up a second location. And then our church don't know this yet, so don't tell them, but uh, we are going to open up a third location uh, soon again. And so God is good. There's a lot of great stuff happening. I think up to now, around about 7,500 people have given their lives to Christ in our church. Isn't that amazing? Somebody give God glory for that. And we are seeing literally people that don't, they don't own Bibles. They have no idea. They, they can't, they're like, so, okay, so I know that Jesus and there's like a cross thing that happened. So what's that? And like just really full on like raw 
these people don't have Christian backgrounds, don't come from Christian families, and, and it's really amazing to see what God is doing uh, in the Canadian environment. I, I, uh, well, I just want to honor Pastor Alan and Al- Eleanor because they are absolutely incredible. And I want to tell you, if you're brand new to this church, the City Church, like yeah, you can trust this house, you can trust these leaders. They are true, true, true. And you know that you can't say that about a lot of leaders around the world, but uh, I, they are just such incredible people. It's very easy to see doing the baby dedications and everything, just the authenticity, uh, the depth, and 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 just even in our conversation, just hearing your leadership wisdom um, is really a remarkable house. And I just want to say just the the generational aspect that's very evident here is just amazing. Like this is really, as I look across the room, just the diversity, generational and, and cultural and everything, this is what the picture of heaven is. This is the church. It's the witness of heaven. It's a picture of heaven. And, and it's very encouraging to see that um, here in this church. But I'm taking so much time just kind of talking about how good you are. But that's not bad, right? Because you're amazing. So just give, you, give yourself an awesome hand um, again. Please do it. Uh, you deserve it. God is good. God is good. I got a quick photo of our families just so you can see that, you know, gives me a little bit of credibility because my kids and wife are awesome. Uh, this is a little vacation we had in Mexico, and that's my wife, Jess. We've been married 15 years. Uh, Noah is nine. Kenzie, our middle child, is seven, and Ayla is three, and uh, and it's they're awesome. So that's, that's my people. And uh, so turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 or on your phone. And uh, I'm a Bible college student right now. I'm back in school and uh, church planning, back in school, doing all this stuff. And as uh, Pastor Alan said, we're on the global exec. And, but uh, so I'm going to read a bit of scripture. And I, I love the Bible, love studying the Bible Get, and, and the Bible really preaches for itself. So we're going we're gonna to get in this. And I want to I encourage anybody in the room that feels like that they've gone through a season, feels like, you know, and even when it comes to the mission of God and the call of God for your life, because the truth is, is every single person in this room was created by God. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not just what you do in business or just how you, you know, you might be a mother raising children and those things are great. But there, there is a kingdom aspect as to why you live and breathe. God has a plan for you and, and the kingdom uh, is greater resourced by your obedience. As you step in and say yes to God and God, there is a call from God on your life. And as you say yes to God and you partner with other people that say yes to God, the kingdom actually expands, not just in Tauranga, but uh, did I say that right? Was that, was that half decent? All right. Not just in Tauranga, but, uh, but across New Zealand and, and, and there, the kingdom wants to advance. But the problem sometimes with the kingdom is it gets paralyzed a little bit because we end up getting depleted. We lose heart. Uh, we go through seasons and it takes us out. And I want to preach to people here today. And I'm going to encourage you that by the end of this service, you're going to be filled with the spirit, energized with the anointing. And you're going to actually feel the power of God to rejuvenate you, put some Holy Spirit oxygen in your lungs. And you're actually going to feel very encouraged, I believe, of the goodness of God. So that's what this chapter is about. So it says this in verse one, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, the ministry of pointing people to what it means to be in Christ. That's for the context. Do not lose heart. Now, this is to the Corinthian church, and the early church in that day was very persecuted. A lot of opposition coming against that church. Somebody say, don't 
More people say, don't lose heart. It's awesome. When I say that in Canada, they all tease me about how I say the word heart. They're like, heart. Because <laughs> Canadians don't say it like that. I don't know how they say it. Um, Canadians kind of sound like the Swedish chef. Like, anyway. All right. So uh, that's such a... I just mocked my own people. All right. Second Corinthians. Okay, so verse 6. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. And this amazing church and the awesome cafe and everything that's going on here is light shines out of this place. When God created the universe, what did He say? Let there be light. And when you and I are depleted and when you and I are depressed and when you and I are feeling all we are in God, unfortunately what happens is the light dims and you and I are called to be witnesses to the light. We're called to be a light. We're called to shine like a light. And there are some times in our lives, if we were to be honest, where we don't actually feel like that. But even when God said, let there be light, then you need to have that same prophetic tone over every single circumstance in your life. You need to say, let there be light in my marriage. Let there be light in my family. Let there be light in my business. Let there be light in Taronga. Let there be light across New Zealand. Let there be light. And that is the mission of the church, that it's a lighthouse, a beacon, that it's a place that your life is a witness. And you're like, Sam, I only just actually came to faith. I only just, I only just started believing in Jesus. And I'm telling you, you are the best witness this church has. You know, this church might have a great social media account and a great website, but you are the best branding for Jesus. The hope of Jesus lives inside of you and other people around you need to see that light. But don't lose heart. And we can. There are many reasons why we can lose heart. Let, let light shine out of darkness. There can be some dark circumstances in our lives, but that gives a great hope and an opportunity for the light to shine. May His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. I'm a jar of clay. You're a jar of clay. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not that good. You're not that good. If you feel a little bit inadequate to do the things of God, you're in good company. We all fall short. Amen. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? Good question. To show that His all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And God's done some great things in Toronto and some great things here in, in Taranga. And, and there is amazing things that God is going to do through His power through these um, pretty average people. We're all pretty average people. I come from a town called Tarogan, and the Aboriginal meaning of that word is the river of little fish. And I, that's what I felt like. I've kind of felt like a little fish, but God's called this little fish to do some great things. And you, you don't need to step out in false humility. You need to step out in who you are in God, and God's going to do some great things in your life. Amen. But it says this in verse 8. You might have recognized this verse before. We are hard-pressed on every side. You might feel hard-pressed at times, but not crushed. Perplexed, confused, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Here's another thing. So that, somebody say so that. So that 
the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Or the way that you can say that is whenever I go through circumstances that look dead, there is a purpose beyond that dead situation to give glory to God so that the life of God can be made evident through that circumstance. For we all live, for verse 11, for we who are alive, always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. I just want you to catch that bit. I'm going to, I'm going to riff on that a little bit. But so that death is at work in us, so that life can be at work in you. That's very interesting. I'll come back to that. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And you've got to have a great confession on your mouth about the goodness of God. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Verse 15, all this is for your benefit. So that the grace that's reaching more and more and more and more and more people. There is a grace through your dark circumstances. There is a grace through that thing you're going. There is a grace through that relational battle that you are facing. And it's going to reach more people if you let the light of Jesus shine through that circumstance. It's gonna, it has a purpose to it. Reach more people and thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This is a great verse for prayer and fasting. The next one, verse 16. Therefore, We do not lose heart. Somebody say, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. For our light, though we outwardly are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. I don't know if anyone relates to that. You're like, my finances is wasting away. Some of my relationships seem to be wasting away. I can't seem to get anything right these days. My business isn't where it should be. My circumstances, man, just I'm looking around and it's not a whole lot of hope. But inside me, there is something because Christians are set apart with something inside us that can carry us through even the darkest of circumstances. Present you to, uh, where I was up to, verse 16, day by day, for our light and momentary troubles. How many people sometimes believe that our troubles don't feel light and momentary? They feel a little bit heavy and permanent. You might be feeling like you're going through a heavy situation right now. Or, and it might be feeling like that ain't going away. But I want to tell you that in the eyes of Christ, any trouble is light and momentary. Even the tomb of Jesus was light and momentary. And it's producing an eternal glory that vastly outweighs them all. Last verse. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, not our circumstances, but on what is unseen. For what is seen and your circumstances are temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And so as a church planner, um, you know, we've gone through some moments where we felt like we can lose heart. It hasn't been easy the whole time. Remember one time in, in the first year of our church plant, um, someone stole, broke into a car and stole our offering and our keyboard and it was all set up and tear down and stole my backpack and uh, after church and they kind of trashed the car and left the bag in the stairwell in this underground parking garage across from the venue that we were meeting at 
And, uh, you know, it was really frustrating to me because they let, they stitched the bag and they left my Bible there. I was like, at least they could take the Bible and maybe that would convict them. But they stole everything, including a real nice pair of Jordans that I had in there. I was really upset about that. It wasn't too bad about the offering, but my Jordans, it was like, no, I'm joking. Um, so, but, you know, and we've had different circumstances along the way that have been very frustrating. Even recently, we've had like, um, you know, we've had people, we had 3,000 3, signatures petitioned against us as a church um, when we were trying to purchase a building. And we've had um, all the major newspapers, the Toronto Star and media and write, write negative articles. They've written positive ones and they've written negative ones. And we've had a 40-minute documentary from CBC, one of the, the largest TV network. They, they made a documentary about our church and it, and it spoke badly about our church. We've had, we've had a, 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 you know, we've had amazing LGBTQ community come into the church and, but we've also had a lot of hate from different areas in, you know, different liberal environments. We've also had people try and shut our church down and, and accuse us of, you know, embezzling money and different things. And thank God that we're smart and we have auditing and everything's above board and we're accountable to and so it was very easy to smother those um, accusations and we just gave our auditing paperwork uh, to the CRA which is you know whatever and so there's been these different circumstances and I felt like there's been personal moments you know even in the first year of our church plan we struggled to get pregnant for two years and we thought we were going to have kids and and then my mom had a a cerebral aneurysm and, and and passed away in the first year of our church plan I didn't get to say goodbye to her she just and she was in Australia planning on traveling to Canada and and it was just something that just happened and but you know and in all these different circumstances even though we felt hard-pressed that God has moved through it we've done set up and tear down as a church for 10 years in three different locations 5 30 in the morning loaded out of uh, three 30-foot trailers and set up all these cases and we've turned high sc- dusty, nasty high school auditoriums into the house of God and we've converted. It's awesome when you do that. The team all get involved and they, they start at 5.30 in the morning and they finish at 3 in the afternoon. How many people are grateful for the team here at this church? Now, now see, you were complaining about serving in church just yesterday, but now you heard that story. You're like, I'm not going to complain anymore. Um, but... Uh, and so we've seen, but, you know, and even just recently we've had, we've had, uh, we, we've rented all these, these six different high schools in the city. And if you try and rent anything that's not, you know, part of the public school system or something like that, and we've rented different other fancy venues, union-based venues, but that's like eight to $10,000 a Sunday. And so, you know, so that's why we're in high schools is it's, you know, trying to find a venue in an urban core is difficult. All the stars have to align and, you know, you have to just really but it's seriously, you have to find something that's your right size, it's your right style, it's got good management, it's within your budget, uh, it has to be in a good location, and and, you, and hopefully it has storage, because you're doing setting up and tear down, we've had some venues that have had storage, and you're trying to, and, and full-time availability, and that's not easy, many of the venues that you can rent, they're like, oh yeah, we can give you 20 Sundays a year, and it's like, no, I don't think you understand what we do, it's like a weekly thing, it's like, so... You know, in the first year of our church plan, we went through 13 different venues. And, uh, and uh, we just recently, we had somebody emailing the principals of the schools that we were at and, uh, and basically sending hate 
and telling us and telling the schools, which is a very liberal environment, that our church believes these things and, you know, they're, they're very narrow-minded and they hate people and all this different stuff, whatever. And then the school called us and gave us two weeks' notice and said, you have to move out. After 10 years, we had given the school board $2.5 million of rental fees over that time and it accounted for nothing. Somebody say hard-pressed. Now, there's different levels of persecutions and whatever your mountain is, is your mountain. Whatever your valley is, is your valley. And I don't know what you're going through, but I want to tell you, you know, everybody goes through stuff and we need, we need to know what the Bible says about these things. And so, you know, the way that story ended is Father's Day in North America is June 18th. And on Father's Day, I had to get up in front of the church and I had to announce to the church that we, in fact, did not have a place to meet the following Sunday. And then it's never happened like this in our church before, but the church erupted in spontaneous prayer for 10 minutes, didn't stop praying. Then the following day I woke up and I just said, God, I can't rent these venues because they're out of our budget. Can't rent these venues because they don't have availability. We can't get back into the schools because they're kicking us out. And I cried out to God and said, I'm losing heart. I don't know what to do. Help me. And God, God loves those moments. And that, that dependency on God, when you step out on the things that God has called you to do, there will be moments that will be beyond you. And it has to be that way. If you can walk out the calling of God on your life all in your own strength, it's too small. And it's not the call of God on your life. Because when you step out and obey God, it will always be beyond you. Why? Because He wants you to depend on Him. He doesn't want you. We were given two trees in the Garden of Eden. One was trust God and the other one was do it your own way. Those were the two trees. And that's the same question and the same decision that you and I have to make every single day. Am I going to wake up today and is this day where I'm going to eat from the tree of life and I'm going to trust you, Jesus? Or is this a day today where I'm going to do things my way? And I'm going to fill my life with idols and I'm going to do it. And, and, and that is what the world is today. The world's all puffed up and we make gods out of ourselves. Jesus isn't nervous about the devil. He's nervous about you. Jesus is constantly nervous that we as humans make gods out of ourselves. We educate ourselves and we fatten up our thinking and we fatten up our brains. And then we become gods in our own eyes. We, we build our spirits and we do the Enneagram and we think we've nailed it and we've worked it all out. And nothing wrong with the Enneagram, whatever. Um, I'm not trying to make any statements, but I'm trying to say that this is a constant temptation. Will you take life in your own hands or will you trust God with your life? And I want to tell you, when you trust God with your life, you will come across hard times. It's not all easy. It's not meant to be. That's not the life of a Christian. Actually, if you read like the way the, church, the, way the New Testament church is, and so if you, were, if you go through hard times and then you come into the church and you think, oh, God's going to pay all your bills, He's going to work out all your relational dynamics and He's just going to make sure and you never get sick ever again. Well, that's a false hope because those things happen and there's disillusioned Christians all around the world that believe that message and then wonder why God doesn't love them when they come across a hard time. It's kind of funny, but I will tell you that you'll never have to stay in that hard time. There is always healing, there is always restoration, and there is always blessing in the things of God. There are valleys, but the Bible says that we don't. We walk through the valley. We don't stay there. Amen. Amen. So, cried out to God the following day, Monday, June 19th. God, I, I cried out to God, and then at 4.22 p.m., I get a voice note on my phone from a random friend in the city that lived an hour away from where I was. And he's like, hey man, 
this is super left field. I got, I'm flicking you this PDF. It's of this Catholic building. I got a photo of it here. This Catholic, this old Catholic church in downtown Toronto. And, uh, and a developer has bought it. They're going to eventually, they want to build condos on that property, but they have to put all the permits through the city. And it could take five to 10 years. And in the meantime, he wants to lease it to someone permanently. Would you be interested? I call him back and I'm like, I've got tears in my eyes. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Give me his number. I want to call him. I met the developer the next day. And then seven days, we negotiated on the spot. We were paying $15,000 a month at the school, at the school board for six hours on a Sunday. And I negotiated with this guy on the spot. I'm like, hey, listen, you need a, you need a tenant and I need a building. Can we just cut all the stuff out and just give me your bottom price? He's like, well, how about 7000 a month? Done. <laughs> yep, sure. Let's go. Let's do it. And so now this is the first time. This is only eight weeks in. After all that, after, after people kicking us out and the, and the school board kicking us out and now we've got this miracle building um, that we get to use 24-7 and we can do midweek stuff for the first time. You've got to thank God for whoever bought this building, for whoever paid the price for this building, whoever sowed into offerings for this building because God is good. Amen. Why don't you praise God for that? But when I cried out to God, He encouraged me with this. He, he encouraged me with three things, and these are my three quick points here today. And then I want to pray for some people. He encouraged me with these three things, and I want to encourage you with these today from the scripture that we read. Number one, all this pressure has purpose. Pressure has purpose. He encouraged me with that. Number two, death always precedes life in the kingdom. And number three, so number two, death always precedes life. If you feel like you're in a dead situation, you're not at the end of the story. And then the last one, I am producing in you strength and courage. Well, my point, be renewed inwardly. But God was saying to me that strength and courage is being produced in me. So number one, all pressure has purpose. All pressure has purpose. Western Christianity has set has built themselves around the elimination of suffering. Ancient Christianity embraces suffering. This is, this is a theology that we have lost in the Western world. And I get it. Like, we've got to live a blessed life and all the rest of it. But, but if we don't embrace suffering, we're not embracing the death of Jesus. If you don't embrace the death of Jesus, you can't embrace the resurrection of Jesus. We can't skip the tomb. There is a ministry of the tomb, uh, uh, First uh, Corinthians 15 says that these three ministries, these three things that you shouldn't forget, it's not just the death and resurrection of Jesus, the death, the tomb, and the resurrection. Why do we need the theology of the tomb? We need the theology of the tomb because it was the darkest situation that Jesus conquered. And if we don't have the theology of the tomb, what do we do in our dark situation? What do we do with what we're going through? And we have to understand that the embracing of suffering is a part of the mission of God. Amen. So Keith Warrington says it like this. The promise of the Spirit, I have this quote for you. The promise of the Spirit was not that conflict would be eradicated, but the necessary resource to facilitate witness would be made available. The Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit is not that all conflict would be eradicated. When you step out and you actually start being passionate about Jesus and your friends and family misunderstand you, 
they misjudge you and they actually maybe dislike you, well, you got the Holy Spirit for those moments. If you stay true and, and you're inviting people to come to the conference coming up or you're going to 6.45 a.m. prayer or whatever it is and you start stepping out and you find that when you start walking in the bullseye of your calling in God, at the same time you're in the crosshairs of the devil. And the opposition of the devil can be a compliment to you saying yes to God. When, think, when times get tough, do what James says, rejoice in those trials. Smile. Because Why? You know it's not the end. It has a purpose. All these things, hard-pressed that we read in verse 8, hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down, Jesus faced all these things on the cross. And if it wasn't for persecution, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have salvation. Imagine if everybody liked Jesus and nobody was bothered by Him. Well, He wouldn't have been put on the cross. The, whole, the pathway for your and my salvation was only made possible because of opposition. How crazy is that? And the glory that God is going to get through your story is going to happen because you're going through a hard time. Sometimes God doesn't immediately rescue us out of the situation because there's greater glory coming at the end. That's John 11 with Lazarus. He stayed where he was four more days. Jesus loved Lazarus, but he didn't go and heal him and take him out of that situation immediately. He stayed where he was. So I just want to encourage you. If you pray to prayer, God, get me out of this. He is. And if it doesn't happen right now, he will. Don't, don't overcalculate it. Just trust and believe. Because this is the side of life that we live on. Amen. Number two, death pre precedes life. Atheists believe people live and then die. Christians believe people die and then live. Those who lose their life find it. In the kingdom, death always comes first. You with me? Atheists believe people live and then they end up dying and that's it. Nothing. What happens after death? I don't know. Nothing. Christians believe that we die and we're reborn. And when you have that ministry and that belief system on the inside of you, man, you are unstoppable. Pastor Phil Pringle says this, a good vision is something worth living for, a better vision is something worth dying for. And where it says death is at work in us so that life would be made at work in you, what that means, what that means is Paul was teaching the Corinthian church, if you can actually let a little bit of opposition come in your life, it will actually produce kingdom life in someone else. So if you join a team at this church, you're actually, you're actually killing some minutes of your calendar to your own agenda. You're crucifying your own agenda for the sake of a kingdom agenda. The musicians here, they practice and they're brilliant and they rehearse. And oh my gosh, your drummer is amazing. I have like a drumming background. and This guy's got chops. But he has, he has let some stuff die in his life so that he can produce and be made available. Your, your worship leader, girl in pink, um, what's your name? Carrie. I, I just feel, I know from the Holy Spirit that you have been trial by fire but what I see is I see I see a coal I see an ember coming alive again 
but it's, it's pressured. It's a pressured ember. So I saw a, I saw a compressed ember that, is, that has, and the word weight comes. And that in your singing, I saw, I saw you singing that, but, but I see what you've gone through is producing for you a greater weight. And the word weight in the Bible means glory. And you know it's not your glory, but in this weight and in this pressure, like olives are hard-pressed and they produce olive oil, the oil of the anointing is coming out of the pressing. I see that. And so, but, but you've had to let things die to your personal agenda. And what does it do? It produces life for all of us. Because the anointing doesn't come without the pressing. So my question to you and I here today is what would you be willing to let die to your own agenda so that life can be made known to someone else in Taronga? What else would you be willing to let die every time you give in an offering? It's not about you. I want to give because I'm going to get blessed. Well, that's a byproduct of you losing your life for God, but it's not the motivation. The motivation to give and there's got to be more buildings like this that this church has to do. There's got to be more services like this that we have to start. There's got to be more programs and more cafes. Man, the people that get saved and the ministry and the outreach that's happening through that cafe in the marketplace. If you're a marketplace person in this room and you've sowed into that vision, salute. Because you've let something die to your own agenda. So that life can be made possible in somebody else. And every time someone gets saved here, every time someone gets baptized here, it's because someone has sown. Someone has let something die. I, I let Death is at work in me so that life can be made possible in somebody else. And that's how that works. Every minute, every dollar, and your preference and convenience. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.15, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves should no longer live for themselves. This is a hard thing in Western Christianity. We always want to live for ourselves. God bless me with another thing and another thing and another thing. And God's like, I don't know that you're getting it. Because we live for eternity. And remember, you can't take all that treasure with you to heaven. So like, it's good. You can have some good stuff and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, don't let it have you. Because you're living for a purpose that's far beyond far beyond what you see with your eyes here today that's why the last verse says don't fi- says fix your eyes on eternity the reason people mess up and get in sin and sleep around and do drugs and all this kind of stuff is just because their vision isn't long enough vision is the antidote to sin if you have a vision for marriage you won't go to that one night stand why and and so we when we have a vision for eternity we're less swayed by all the issues of carnality of the day and there is an eternal vision. And we're here for such a time as this. And I'm going to get the band up. But we're here and they're going to play and we're going to see the Holy Spirit come and build strength and courage and, and, and lift us up because there are some people in this room that have lost heart, that have lost focus. And focus has become short-sighted and narrow-sighted. And God wants to lift your eyes to see that you're alive in 2023 for a reason. You're here for such a time as this and bookended in eternity is the first creation and the end creation and you're alive in this chapter and God wants you to live for something so far greater than yourself. Well, Sam, I've only been in church for three weeks. Well, great. Get it, grip it, harness it and go after it and let all the stiff Christians that have been around for decades, let them be motivated by your example. Sorry that I said that, but it's true. 
Sometimes we need someone that can just get in there and get fervent about eternity and get fervent about the kingdom of God. These young people going to camp and getting totally revitalized in God. I want them to come back so on fire tonight. We're going to see more services out of this place. We're going to see God's goodness expand from this place. Why? Because you and I don't live for ourselves. We realize that our hearts get, our hearts get lost and we get weary when we're about us. But you start to actually set your eyes on something for eternity and then all of a sudden you're filled with purpose and you don't care if you need to suffer through something. You don't care if someone misunderstands you. You don't care if you go through a hard time or you're a little bit depressed or you're a little bit confused at times because there is something, there is a fire on the inside of your heart And you know these light and momentary troubles are producing for the kingdom a glory that vastly outweighs anything that I will go through. Jesus endured the cross. He took the crown of thorns and the lashes on His back for the sake of the kingdom. And you're a kingdom person and I'm a kingdom person. And your obedience and your willingness to step in the things of God matter. And you're like, Sam, I've been there and done that. I've got the t-shirt, the hat, the mug and everything. And I've given my life for the kingdom of God, but I'm just not in that season anymore. I want to tell you that there is revival coming to your spirit. And like Paul, he ran his race all these days and the race is not done for you. You're like, Sam, well, I'm in my 60s. Smith Wigglesworth started when he was in his 60s. Well, Sam, I'm only 13. David was a teenager when he went out there. Come on, you don't need me to preach all the messages to you. Last point, be renewed inwardly. So Joshua was called by God to have strength and courage. There was a plan and a purpose for Joshua and he had to go through some stuff. And when I surrendered to God in that moment, God just filled me with His love and filled me with the Holy Spirit. And I knew, I I didn't have the call yet, but I knew, I I don't know, we were just in the chasm of like, well, we're not in this chapter anymore but we actually don't have the answer anymore and we're in the middle. There's a lot of people in the room right now that are in the middle. So what do you need in the middle? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, and it's Paul's prayer. I'm going to pray it right now. And then I'm going to ask us to stand to our feet. And anyone that just needs this prayer, a fresh wind right in their spirit needs to come to the front. Actually, why don't you stand to your feet now and I'll pray, I'll pray it over you with you standing up. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but if there's anyone that just feels depleted, feels like they're losing heart for kingdom purposes, and you're like, man, I need to be revived. I need my heart to be filled with the love of God. I want you to listen to this prayer and you can read it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, and I want to pray this over us here today. I pray that out of His glorious riches, that He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts and that you would be rooted and established in love. The Bible says the width, the height, the length and the depth and that you would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Whatever your battle is right now, whether you've given a big season to God and you feel like, man, I'm on the verge of burnout, whatever it is, there's more in you 
You might not believe it sometimes. You might feel perplexed, disillusioned. Right now, if that's you, if you're like, and I know there's many people, but if that's you, I think we need to have a little altar call moment where you just leave your seat and you come to the front and you get filled with the Spirit of God right here, right now. Who is there in this room? Just leave your seat and come forward. The vision of God wants to fill you, rejuvenate you. If you've lost heart and you want your heart to be passionate about the things of God again, you don't know why you got to this place. And there's no judgment. Like we all, I go through, I need this like middle of the week every week. (laughs) Come, come, come to be touched, to be filled. Am I allowed to walk on these? Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Cry out to God. Pull on God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord.